fatherhood of God, tapping into that is our healing. Amen. Don't we have to stand? It's our Father which are in heaven. Amen. Amen. Will you bow your heads with prayer for me? Father, even now, Lord, as we tap into this truth, this spiritual blessing, Lord, I pray that you move Tracy out the way. Allow me to become an instrument of your glory. Allow your, your message, your word, and your spirit to preach me. Father, we really need to tap into this. Allow us to allow you to take us and hide us in yourself. Lord, set straight what is broken. Even now, Lord, even now, Lord, even now, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory be to God. I believe that we all stand in need of healing. You have to understand that that at the fall of Adam and Eve, it changed things from God's original intent. We don't really see things the way God intended it to be. Nothing that you have experienced in life, in in a mother and a father, in experiencing even one another, even, even the experience with God is at the level that it originally was in the Garden of Eden. You understand what Eden was. Eden means pleasure, and Eden was the portal. It was literally heaven on earth. God's presence was there. There would be no difference from heaven and and what was in Eden when it originally was designed. It was a portal of God, the, the heaven on earth, God's presence on earth, God's blessing in earth, and they lived there. <laughs> they, they knew God is their father. The, the fatherhood of God, the fullness of God was expressed to them, and God was downloading into them, nurturing them. Matter of fact, the, the word father that is used in the Lord's prayer, it is pater. It means uh, it means nurture. It means resource. It means provider. It means protector. It means the one who holds everything together. Then there was a note that said, a kin. A kin. It means now I am kin to you. Listen, unless you are born again, you are not God's child. Unless you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're his creation, his, his creation, but you're not his child. 
See, God done, has done more than adopt you, like he said in Ephesians chapter 1. He has, and this was your question, this is what Dr. Smith was trying to tell you. He more than just selected you and adopted you, but what he did when he saved you, he blew into you his actual nature. <laughs> Don't you remember Genesis where, where, where God blew into Adam and Adam became a living soul? He blew not just air, he blew his spirit into him. The day that you accepted Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit blew in you, into you, and your spirit that was dead came alive. So now you are God's child. You are akin to him. He more than adopted you. When he adopted you, he blew himself in you. I don't think most of us, if any of us, has really tapped deeply into that. It, it, it's a truth that is explained in the Bible, but, but, we, but we are so used to walking in the flesh that we haven't learned how to walk in the spirit. See, see, see you only tap into what your daddy has for you is if you're walking in the spirit, if you're thinking in the spirit, if you're moving by the spirit, because, because God is spirit. And, and he only deals in the spiritual realm with his children, which means then that, that there's some part of you and I that has to die. <laughs> you, you know, the old nature still wants to hold on. See, see, since we learn how to be who we are in our natural being, the truth of the matter is the old you set up an altar about you. Ah, let me go there. See, my, my brother texts me, the truck driver, and, and he texts me, Trace. He called me Trace. Fellas on the street called me Trace, and, or they called me Ventus. They went by my last name. And so, so, so what I did was I erected an image of myself that fit my name, and, 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 and it still rises up sometimes. I, I, I got a, I got a, a, a false, it was a false God because the picture that I painted of myself that I was trying to be wasn't the picture God was painting. <laughs> Don't shake your head at me. You had one too. <laughs> I'm just being honest. See, 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 whatever we thought we was, if God didn't give it to you, if whatever image, whatever ideal you had of yourself, whatever you allowed to tag you and you was running to be that, if it didn't come out of Christ, it's not you. The problem is, is that now that I'm born in Christ, now that you're born in Christ, God is trying to show us who we really are because that's what a father does. <laughs> But many times, because I have already erected an image of myself, it gets in the way of what God's trying to tell me. A father sets the identity of who we are 
And when our earthly fathers did not point us in the right direction. I, I got something here. I, I got something here. It, it comes out of the Psalms. It comes out of Psalms 127 verse 3. And it talks about that a father, the children are heritage from the Lord. Which means that in some verses from the Lord, some says of the Lord. Which means that your children is not even your own. Did you know your children is a gift from God? You are a steward of your children. In fact, you are a steward of everything God gives you. A steward means you have been entrusted to take care of it, but it's not yours. You know, many times, I ain't giving God my money. Well, it's not your money in the first place. Matter of fact, the 100% of it is God. And if you don't give God the 10%, why should he bless the 90 if we don't recognize our position with him, then God can't bless us to the level he wants to. When you recognize your children is not yours, that they are alone to you, and God has a purpose and destiny for them, then you'll quit trying to make your children be what you want them to be. And you begin to pray about Lord, what is their purpose? Lord, Lord, which way? Listen, listen, listen. Many of us was. This air is supposed to fly through the air. But, but if I don't have the ability to put it in a bowl and aim it, I just. Our fathers, not our mothers. We're supposed to set in us our masculinity and femininity and begin to study what God put in us and set us in a spiritual ball. And not saying that moms can't do it because thank God for godly moms because for some of us, if mom didn't do it, wouldn't nobody do it. But, but when dad is not being what he's supposed to be, it, 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 it hinders the process of he said the man who quiver is full of it he said it's a blessing and an L you put it in the bowl and what God is trying to do is aim you in the direction there's some things that have to be erased there's some things that was erected in our spirit, in our thinking, in our emotion that the Holy Spirit got to come and erase. I keep on telling y'all this. It was about three and a half, four years before God called me to come to a church after he captured me because God had to tear down some things. Did you know God can't start building till you allow him to tear down? I thought being broken was bad. What I, what I realize now, that even though it's uncomfortable, even though God will put you in a place that you don't like, even when God will remove all your, all your, all your props, God will put you in a place where you got to be totally dependent on him. Oh, am I talking to somebody? God, God will take away the very thing that you identify yourself with and tell you that's not you until God shows you who you are. 
You don't know who you are. I hear people say, well, I'm going to search inside of myself. Well, if you search inside of yourself without God heading the search, all you're going to find is a bunch of mess. He gives us identity. He gives us purpose. Listen, you can be in church. We can be in church and still hiding from God. Church is a good place to set up altars that don't belong to God. Church is a good place to establish myself where people say, I'm Pastor Venice. You know, you can be a pastor, preacher, deacon, teacher, usher, choir, whatever, and still haven't allowed God to search your heart. One of the hardest things is to get real with God. One of the hardest things is to run to him. Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed, they ran. They didn't run to him. They ran from him. We could be in church, and church can be our hiding place. Hold it on the titles. Hold it on position. But you know what? Well, you know what? You know what I discovered? That when you get real with God, you don't care what people think. You don't need people's approval. You don't need people to give you status quo. You're not worried about the gossip on you. As long as it's not true, I don't care. God will exalt you. God will stand up for your name. God will fight for you. One of the hardest things. God brought me to a place. You want to get my preaching. Where he had me say this. I said, Lord, if it means you make me look like a fool for you. It made me look like a fool. Lord, don't even care anymore. If, if you're going to be blessed by making me look like a fool in my life, in, in my preaching, Lord, it doesn't even matter. What matters is I'm in right position with you. So if it takes you getting the glory and I look like a fool, then Lord, though I don't want to, do whatever is right in your until we lose ourselves in him he can't do what he want to do because we're so worried about then nobody die for you but Jesus can't nobody save you but Jesus he's the best thing that can ever happen to you so guess what? It really doesn't matter what people got to say about you. Just make sure you're right where you're supposed to be and let God lift you when he gets ready. God is up to something. God is up to something. 
The reason why the world is in the place that it's in is because we have lost our identity. The shootings, the craziness. Listen, you best know your heavenly father because the world is not going to get any better. <laughs> you think it's crazy now? Wait. <laughs> you think folks have lost their minds now? Wait. I stood here when the first mass shooting, Cordovan, happened, and I told you that the Spirit of the Lord told me this is just the first. And some of y'all looked at me like I was crazy. But God was letting me know, Tracy, because they don't know who they are. If this arrow is shot in the wrong direction, it can do a whole lot of damage. Unless God gives direction, unless God points it where it's supposed to be, you don't know who you are. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, out of the Amplified. Look what he says. He says, as we are, listen, God's own. If you're born again, God says you're mine. He, he, he claims you as his. Matter of fact, one of the words for handiwork is masterpiece. See, most of us has carried over from the world an image of ourselves that no longer fit us. Some of us still, 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 still do things and, and associate with what. Listen, God is not trying to take away from you, you. He's trying to bring you into you. He's trying to bring into you, the, you into the real you that you was created to be before there was a you. Did you know that God knew you before there was a you? Did you know that God didn't create you when you was conceived in your mama's belly, but before, from the foundation of the world, God already picked you out and chose you and already set a path for you? Did you know that you don't know who you are till God starts down dropping in your spirit? And what God has for you and who you are in God will amaze even you. Did you know you are not what happened to you or what somebody else says about you? You are what God your father says you are. There, there, there's some tapes we need to erase. There's some memories we need to put in the sea of forgetfulness. Why? Because under the blood, it has no more power over you. And part of it is, is that many times we are reacting from some basic needs that was never met. Woundedness. Because the situation the way it was supposed to be wasn't. Because in many of our lives, daddy wasn't daddy. And in some cases, mama wasn't mama. And, and, and we can either stay 
in that type of brokenness and dysfunction for the rest of our lives, or we can run to our Heavenly Father where all your healing comes from. I, I want you to know that there is healing. I want you to know that God is able to heal whatever life has given to you. I was looking at this verse today. It, it, it sounds crazy. It's in Exodus. And, and it says, this. it says, it says, it says, and, and whatever the day, you will be strong in it. And when you translate it, this is what it's saying. Whatever comes to you at this day, the Lord's strength will be your strength. Amen. Did you hear that? that? That before the day begun, God had already deposited into your account everything you need to go through that day. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You didn't see the trouble coming, but God knew the trouble was coming. So before the trouble hit, he already put into your account the strength that you need to go through it. So, so that you won't lose your mind this day, all you have to do is tap into your heavenly father and get what you need. Because he knew you was going to need it, so he already sent it. All you have to do is tap into it. Isn't that just like a father? Isn't that just like him? I believe that if God had not kept us, we all be kind of crazy. Matter of fact, let me take that back. We are our kind of, we all are kind of crazy. We'd be crazier. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was crazy when I was out there. I'm still a little bit crazy now. I'm so glad he didn't fix my craziness. But watch this. But now my crazy's pointed in the right way. He didn't get rid of my craziness. He said, be crazy for me. That's right. <laughs> Is anybody here crazy for Jesus? You know, you know, you know. Your brokenness is your strength. Your peculiarness is what makes you stand out. I've learned not to try to fix who I am, but give who I am to him and let him shine through my cracks. I'm learning that the, uncomfortable, the uncomfortableness of my brokenness makes me lean and depend on him. What's this? He said, you've been recreated. Say that with me. Recreated. What that mean? That you're not what you used to be. God has recreated in your spirit a new you, a real you. He has recreated in you who you're supposed to be. Don't, don't, yeah. Uh-huh. Don't let the world define you. Don't let your past define you. God is repainting the image of you for you to be who you was created to be. Listen, you don't get that in the intellect. You get that in your spirit. Which means then I got to spend time. You got to spend some time with your heavenly father so that he can download to you 
We've been listening to the wrong voices. Adam and Eve have ate of the tree. God comes down in the cool today like always. And instead of running to him, they run from him. And now they have even covered themselves up. I believe with the leaves of the tree they sent from. Hold on, hold on. How are you going to cover yourself up with the product from the sin you sit from? You know, and what happens is we don't know it, but that's what we do. Huh? Putting point nine on the cut. That's a good one. Can I use that? <laughs> and, uh, and watch this. And he said, he said, well, where are you? He said, we're naked. He said, who told you? I didn't tell you. Why are you listening to what somebody else? Who now who have replaced me as your teacher? Who has replaced me as your download? Who has replaced me? So now you're listening to somebody. Matter of fact, you're not even supposed to be open to nobody else. Because I'm your father. So why did you replace me as your father with somebody that don't even love you or know you? That's what we did in the past. And if we're not careful, even as Christians, we allow somebody else to have first place. Wait a minute, he made you. He created you. Why you gonna allow anybody? Not mama, not daddy, not husband, not wife, not children to, to take the place of God in your life. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can't nobody feel you like him? Can't nobody keep you like him? Can't nobody make you like him? Can't nobody move you like him? He takes the place of our father. You know what I'm finding out? The more I run to him, the more I discover who I am. You know what I'm learning? I don't come to him the way I think he wants me to. I come to him just as I am. Listen, he already knows anyway. <laughs> See, you might be able to fool some people all the time. You might be able to fool some people some of the time. But you can't fool God none of the time. Because when I think I'm fooling him, I'm fooling myself. The reality of God, the reality of, of his presence is so good. Listen to Malachi. Malachi, excuse me, the fourth chapter, the fifth and sixth verse is, is the last book of the Old Testament. It is the last book of the Old Testament. This is the last chapter of the last book. 
This is the last verse of the last chapter of the last verse. For 30 years I've been studying this. Don't know why I've just been drawn to this verse praying Lord, show me what, what does this mean? What is the understanding? What is the implication of it? One interpretation is that this is the, what happened. This, John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah before he came. He prepared and made straight the way of the Lord. That, that is true. But, but, but if you become a serious student of prophecies, this is what you find out. That a prophecy may have two, three, four, even five fulfillments. Each one as coming and pointing towards Christ. This one has at least two fulfillments. Look what it says. Behold, I will send you Elijah. That happened. Jesus said that the spirit of Elijah was on John the Baptist. John the Baptist had this strong anointing that called people to Jesus. But read on. It says, before the coming of the great, now go back, before the coming of the great, and what it says, dreadful day. The, the first coming of Jesus was not a dreadful day. Okay, that was, a, that was a hallelujah day. The dreadful day is that before he comes again, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the earth. It's talking about when he comes to take the church up out of here and God's wrath is then released on those that remain. That is a dreadful day. But look what he's saying. He said, before that happened, I again going to pour out a strong anointing. Next verse. He said, and I will call and turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. He said, unless I come and call a family revival. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Unless I set the fathers in their proper place and they begin to turn back towards their children and give them identity. Unless I cut the children's hearts, which means that the children has gone wayward and the children is not being pointed. You want to know what's wrong with the world? What he's saying is when my pattern of family is broken, it brings about a curse. You know why we're living in such a hellish situation? You know why it seems like they're going crazy from the White House to the courthouse to the poorhouse? You know why all this stuff is happening? It's because when you break the pattern God has set and children don't have identity and they don't know who they are and dads don't know who they are, how can dad pass down something they don't know? So he was saying that I am calling them back to the fatherhood of God. Then from the fatherhood of God, I'm calling them back to one another. I believe that this is what God is saying. I think, I think Malachi is looking into our day. And he's saying, unless this takes place, 
the havoc, the destruction is going to be unbearable. I think we're almost there. So you know what I'm doing? I'm praying this. I'm praying this. Listen, why such destruction? It is the way God made the human nature, and there are some foundational needs that a father is the main one that gives it. From a psychological standpoint, it's called emotional needs. There are sick, there are six emotional needs that is needed in every human being. Amen. And when you don't get it, it's, it's a brokenness. It's a wound that makes us act out in our adulthood because we missed it in our childhood. Uh, I know I'm preaching. I know. I know I'm preaching. Listen to, I'm all going to get to two of them. Okay, the first one is the need for certainty. And this is what I, I use, the need for safety. Especially in the female. Come here. How many little girls you got? Huh? I'm praying for you, man. <laughs> They are blessed because, let me ask you a couple of questions. Who your little girls run to when your, when your wife has made them all beautiful and all that? Huh? Whose voice do they listen to in the house? When they are scared, who they call? There are certain things they don't run to mama, they instinctively run to who? If something goes wrong and they're crying, they may go to mama, but they also want who? You know what he's doing? They instinctively know he's the protector. They instinctively know he's the one that settles things. They instinctively run to him when they need to feel safe, covered. Move him out of the way and who they're going to run to. I says, come here, come here, come here, come here. Without knowing it, he's the rock in their life. Matter of fact, every man they meet when they grow up, they're going to compare to him. Okay, move him out of the way, and now let a joker come up to him. Who means her no good. But because she did not have that man's standard to set the standard, she don't know the difference between a joker and a future husband. You, you, you're beginning to see what's understanding. You understand? Because, well, let me, let me, can I take this just a step farther? Can I take that? Dad is the one that helps her to embrace her femininity in a world who stands against her femininity. 
If they don't honor her, if they don't embrace her, if they don't let her know that she is supposed to be honored in her femininity, and then a guy comes up to her and calls her names and she runs to him. There's a whole lot of women who don't like their femininity because they didn't have a man to put her on a place of honor. Mama can't do that. Only daddy can. Uh What I'm saying is this. Ladies, (laughs) you also got a son. Guess what? Mom can't give him his identity and masculinity. What makes your son feel like a man is when you give him the nod. If dad is not there to nod to him, somebody else is going to nod to him. For me, it was, it, was, it was the gang bangers. It was the street guys that I wanted to identify with, and I wanted them to give me the nod that I've, I have came into manhood. Listen, who's standing in the gap for your child? Can I take it? Can I take it a level? Can I take it? Because there's a whole lot of men standing here. You didn't get that from your dad, but I want you to know that your heavenly Father is not at you. I want you to know that's why He is the Father of all fathers for every woman in here, for every man in here, for every child in here. You don't give up. You run to the one who created fatherhood. You run to the one that gives you that sense of safety and approval and security. It's in our Heavenly Father. He's the one. He says, he says, listen, listen, he said, he said, he says, I may call you back, but it's okay. He says in his word, he says that if you build your life on anything else but the rock, it's seeking sand. And many of us has built our identity, who we think we are, our life, and it's seeking sense because not if it rains, when it rains. I know you wish it was somebody else. I'll just, you know, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Ladies, I I want you you need to get this. You are no less made in the image of God. You just the other side of God's image. The man is the right side. The woman is the left side. See, me by myself can only represent one side of God. Her by herself can only represent one side of God. Watch this, and this is hard. That's why it takes Ephesians 5.21 for both the man and the woman to submit to God so that they can come together in unity. Because if God, if we don't submit to God, we can't submit to one another. Hold on, hold on, hold on, watch this. And if we haven't submitted to God, then instead of joining, we are... Married, but looking in the opposite way. Married, 
and then going in different pictures. Matter of fact, he will resent her and she will resent him. Listen, even if one is standing here and the other one is turned the other way, there's still no union. And she's turned towards him and, he, and he's not turned. Watch this. The man that you want to submit to is the man that has submitted to the image of God. Now watch this. And as I become Christ and show Christ to you, you come up under that image of Christ. So now watch this. Now she ta- I'll take on Christ's persona. She takes on the persona of Christ in me. So now we are in unity representing Christ. Listen. When God put them together and put them in unity, everything else, he said, good, because it reflects me. But when he made the man and the woman, he said, it's very good. And what he said, it reflects me well. Thank you. That wasn't that hard, was it? <laughs> my, my brothers and sisters, God is always painting the picture of himself. If God doesn't see himself in me, I don't care what I do, he's not pleased with me. If God doesn't see the character of himself in you, he's not pleased with your worship. Because it's not about what you do, it's about who you are. The awesomeness of God is that we get caught up in awe. Listen, the next need is is that a variety. I don't know about you, I get bored easily. That's probably part of the, why I did so much wild stuff, because I got bored, okay? I just got bored, so I had to take it to a nut next level. When, when God first called me as pastor, I went in the office and said, Lord, you know my personality. You know me. You know I get bored easily. And believe me, it hasn't been boring. <laughs> but you know what? God ought to have you in all of him. How you know you're looking at him? Because you're caught up in all of him. There's something about Jesus that keeps on blowing your mind. You know, the moment I think I know something, God will illuminate something else. And I realize I don't know nothing. (laughs) You know, the moment you think you done got deep, God said, let me show you something a little bit deeper to show you you ain't that deep. The moment you think you something, God will open up something else. You know, God will give you a glimpse of his glory. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says, that he takes us from glory to glory. Are you chasing the next glory? I mean, it's not something he just gives you. You got to chase it. Satan is an expert at getting us so caught up with unimportant stuff, chasing unnecessary stuff, allowing our problems 
to become more important than what they ought to be that we quit chasing God. I'm here to tell you today that your help is in Jesus, that your healing is in Jesus, that your satisfaction is in Jesus. Oh, don't you hear David writing in Psalms 42? He says, as the deer thirsted after the water, bro. Oh, Lord, I thirst after you. Is there anybody thirsting? Is there anybody chasing? Don't you hear David in Psalms 27 says, there's one thing I desire. Not many things, but one thing. Will I chase after? Will I run after? Lord, to behold you, to inquire of you. See, 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 you don't know who you are till God shows you who you are. I'm here to say, your healing, your salvation, your deliverance is in God's hand. God is up to something. God is pulling out of you. God is correcting you. God is molding you. God is shaping you. Let your heavenly father have his way. Oh, he's good. Right now, he's good. In the midst of, he's good. My brother. I think we need to set our eyes back on him. <laughs> you know, you got to push your way. It's not easy. There's things that will get in your way. People will get in the way. People who think they know you will try to tell you what you're supposed to be. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. What God has for you is for you. I think we ought to be like the woman with the issue of blood. Sometimes you just can't care what people think. If God has given you a promise, you got to hold on to your promise. I tell folks, you don't tell folks who can't handle your vision because they've been gonna talk you out of it. You better tell somebody who got a vision of their own and they're trusting God too. And say, together, we're going to stand and trust this vision. Because some folks don't want nothing. Some folks ain't chasing nothing. Some folks ain't after nothing. Some folks want to stay with the chickens. But I'm talking to some eagles. I'm talking to some folks who want to soar. I'm talking to some folks who got to go higher. I'm talking to some folks who want to go deeper. I'm talking to some folks that you're not satisfied yet. You know your God is good. You know he's up to something. That you staying right where you are. Hmm. 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. My one desire. My one. Did you know when you make him your one desire, he'll give you all your desires? When you make it him, he don't mind blessing you with everything else. The Bible says, cast all. Oh, I mean, throw it to him. Don't take it back. Then once you throw it to him, start praising that he got it. Quit looking at it in his hands and look at his face. Because if you see his glory, you can't help but praise him. When God show you more of himself, you're not thinking about that. You begin to praise him and worship him because he's your father. I think we need to see him in a new way. I think we need to change paradigms and see him as a father who loves us, who approves us, who accepts us. And he wants to tell you and show you who he has created you to be. You know what? In order for that to come alive, Trace got to die. You, 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 know, you know what I did this morning? I committed murder. I killed Trace. I got up this morning, said you got to die. I committed murder. I killed the old me so that the resurrected, created in Christ, Tracy can stand up. Now, are you committing murder on yourself? <laughs> die every day. Listen, then throughout the day. God is calling somebody, calling you out of, into. You know, there's a difference if he was just calling you out. But he's not just calling you out. He's calling you deeper. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard have not entered into the imagination of man what God has prepared, already prepared for you. And listen, it's going to cost you everything. But when you get there, it's worth everything. It's seeing him and knowing him today. Have you allowed God to place you in his bowl, pull back the string, and point you in the area that he called you to? Have you allowed God to come in and heal all the hurts, all the wounds? 
He loves you. Say that with me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Today, I got preachers who want to pray with you, who want to share with you, who want you to make sure that you know your Heavenly Father. Today, if you're here, would you come? If it's just for prayer, if, it's, if God is tugging at your heart, come on. As the choir comes to sing. There's mm -hmm. a brighter day ahead.